Welcome to the GSI Briefing Podcast. I am your host, Regina Agia, President of the Garden State Initiative. In this special edition of the GSI Briefing, we are presenting a panel discussion on New Jersey's best opportunities to grow jobs. It was part of GSI's recent Economic Policy Forum. The discussion was moderated by Dipal Patel, the founder and CEO of Hexa Builders and one of GSI's board members. And it featured an all-star panel, including Assemblyman Raj Murkaji, New Jersey's Deputy Assembly Speaker, Dominic Kama, the President and COO of Investors Bank, Michelle Sakurka, the President of New Jersey Business and Industry Association, and John Kennedy, the CEO of New Jersey Manufacturing Extension Program. It was an enlightening discussion about our state's numerous assets, our opportunities, but also how policies from Trenton are holding back growth in so many ways. Although we had some audio issues during the beginning of the panel, please stick with us. I am sure you'll find this dialogue as insightful as those in attendance did. Here now is a GSI panel discussion on New Jersey's employment outlook. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Dipal Patel. As Regina mentioned, I'm the president and CEO of Hexa USA. Hexa Builders is one of our uh, arms. We do residential, uh, industrial, and and hospitality construction and development in in New Jersey, as well as in South Florida. So I spent a lot of time in Florida. Um, I'm incredibly honored and privileged to be moderating this panel today with uh, distinguished members Uh, leaders of industry and government in New Jersey. The panel discussion, as Regina mentioned, um, is which industries will deliver the best opportunities for job growth in New Jersey. A little bit about me so that you all have context. Um, I was born and raised in New Jersey. My wife, born and raised in New Jersey, just a few miles down in Island. She's an engineer at the Board of Public Utilities. I see Commissioner Gordon here. We raise our two kids in New Jersey. Suffice to say, we love New Jersey, and uh, we really do. Uh, In fact, I'm that crazy guy who's down in South Florida talking to people about coming back up uh, to New Jersey. And and I end up, um, end those conversations usually by by a little phrase, uh, which some of you may know, which is IYK, YK. And that is, if you know, you know. Why New Jersey is the best. But we have challenges here. And some of the challenges Dan mentioned and some of the challenges that our, that our panel mentioned. And we really need to do something about them. And jobs and people leaving because of uh, the, the jobs uh, environment is something that uh, we all know is a, is a present challenge uh, that we have. So it's my privilege to, be, uh, to ask the, the panel to introduce themselves, your sector, and if you can give us a little bit about uh, what you, in your specific sectors, uh, what you think about the job growth environment? Mr. Connell, so Hey, good afternoon, and thank you. My name is Dominic Hamm. I'm the New York City Metro President of Citizens Bank, uh, but formerly the President and COO of Investors Bank. We were recently acquired by Citizens uh, in April. Um, I want to thank you, Gina. Thank you for having us today. Providing this forum for us to talk about these, you know, very, very important issues. You know, 
Ben's presentation was interesting. You know, he talked about the period of time between the recession, between the financial crisis, you know, through the pandemic. And when I think about where banks were post the financial crisis, you know, we really came out of that thing with a black eye. And you know, when I move forward to 2020, you know, as we had, how did we handle ourselves through the pandemic? And I think, truthfully, we came away, you know, pretty proud of what we accomplished. You know, we facilitated PPP money to businesses. Uh, we provided customers who had problems paying their loans with deferrals. Um, we waived fees on deposit accounts and, and, and the like. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty proud and happy about the way we handled ourselves. Now, let me also say that I think you know, for once, the federal government really stepped up in a big way back in March of 2020 and really facilitated liquidity in the markets. And that really kept things on an even keel as we went through the pandemic. But, you know, as we stand here today, you know, banks have never been stronger. We have plenty of capital. We have plenty of deposits. You know, knock on wood, people are still paying their loans. And, you know, as we move forward, you know, we really, we really are in a, in a good situation. Um, I just want to make a comment because, you know, you have this phenomenon going on right now, and that is the Fed's aggressive uh, rate increases. And, you know, what's happening in, in the banking business is that loan customers are now trying to close their loans much faster because, especially on the business side, because they're concerned that rates are going to continue to go up. Um, you know, depositors are starting to listen to the news and wonder when they were going to increase their rates on their deposits. But, you know, I'll tell you that because banks are so flush with deposits at this point, that banks are not in a hurry to raise those rates as quickly. So, um, you know, in terms of job production and job, job growth in our market, um, I can just tell you we're starved for talent. And we're also trying to balance this phenomenon that's going on post-pandemic in which, you know, we want people to come to work, people want to stay home. And, you know, somewhere we have to find a happy medium and recognize, is this phenomenon something that's going to go on forever, or it, will there be some evolution of where we are right now? Thank you, Dominic. I think um, as it relates to job growth, um, uh, being in the legislature, I'm supposed to talk about some of our incentive programs or the targeted industries um, through the Economic Recovery Act, um, uh, which are not necessarily the areas where we foresee the most job growth um, or creation of new jobs, but rather spaces that we're targeting that um, and we're hoping that it'll occur from biotech, food tech, agrotech, uh, advanced transportation and logistics, um, uh, life sciences, clean energy, IT, and uh, financial services, uh, autonomous vehicle and zero emission vehicle R&D. Those are some of the areas that are targeted industries under um, the, the new uh, or improved incentive programs in the ERA, Aspire and uh, Emerge, which was sort of the successor to um, the Grow New Jersey um, uh, job retention and job creation per job incentives um, and some of the other packages we'll talk about in a moment. But just sort of my 
answer from a civilian perspective outside the legislature. Um, I, uh, I'm a lawyer by training, but I'm a recovered lawyer. My, my business investments have been in real estate and hospitality and, and cannabis and uh, um, healthcare and healthcare uh, and health tech throughout sort of um, mostly in the northeastern states, but some other places too, like Texas and uh, Nevada. And um, uh, I think that some areas that uh, have promised for us clean energy overlaps with my earlier answer about targeted industries. Um, I think the next panel will get into that more, but I'll have some thoughts on that during this discussion. Um, uh, since it's an industry in its nascent stages in New Jersey, we're obviously going to see a lot of job creation in the uh, regulated cannabis uh, um, uh, space. And I think that some of the in New Jersey was, you know, historically known as the nation's medicine chest. Um, 17 at one point uh, within the last couple of decades, 17 out of 20 of the world's largest biopharmaceutical companies were headquartered here. Uh, that number is lower now. Um, but in the wake of our recovery from a global pandemic, I do think there continues to be promise for job creation in the life sciences um, uh, realm and pharmaceutical sciences. Um, but uh, um, uh, it's going to be about balancing this tight, the tightening labor markets, um, the wage growth that we've seen against uh, rising prices, um, supply chain issues, and of course, you know, um, all the talk du jour is, uh, is about inflation, which erases a lot of those gains. Um, so that's what we're going to have to keep an eye on um, as we uh, continue to try to um, uh, create new jobs, good paying jobs in New Jersey. Thank you so much. I look forward to getting into some of those details in just a little bit. Mr. Kennedy? Yes, uh, good to be with you. Uh, I'm a self-proclaimed Jersey boy as well. I don't know how a lady from Poland and a guy from Scotland found Madison, New Jersey. And now, now, now three generations were still there, so uh, I get it. Uh, just as, uh, you know, because we want to check things out, look around the room and tell me one thing besides the humans that wasn't manufactured. Any of you own a car, motorcycle, bicycle, house, all of those things are manufactured and they gotta be manufactured somewhere. And in New Jersey, we have 10 to 11,000 manufacturers and about 400,000 workers. And that includes biopharma and so on. So, and I love the comments and the, and the statements, but Wall Street Journal said that 95% of our blood pressure medicine is made in China. 95%, and that 50% of us are on blood pressure medicine. So how does that make sense? You can like or hate China, has nothing to do with it. It's bad business, it's a single source. All of these things, you know, drive us or don't drive us, and this drives our economy, manufacturing, whether we like it or not, but we ignore it. It's called economic procrastination. Most of my career, we've been talking about reshoring. Most of my career, we've been talking about we're going to do this or we're going to do that. It was a few years ago that we had tariffs on aluminum and steel. And what did it teach us? Well, most of it is say, well, we hate Donald Trump. That has nothing to do with it. What it does did teach us was that there isn't, we're not making things that we need to make here. 
We don't make the chips. There's about 1,500 in your, in your car. We don't make them anymore. We make 13%. We used to make 45%. So when you talk about job growth, I'd like to get job even. Michelle and I have talked a lot about it. I'd like to get job even. There's 40,000 plus open jobs in manufacturing in New Jersey today. The average job in manufacturing pays $97,000 a year. Yes, that includes overtime, but you also get a variety of, you know, benefits and so on. And yet, we don't think about it. We talk a lot about it. You know, a year and a half ago, none of you guys would have ever spoken about the word supply chain because you didn't care. Most people didn't. But it's amazing that when there's a chink in that supply chain, we get worried about it. But during the pandemic, you still got the eat, right? You got the medicines, you got the gas, you got all these things, power, all of that's manufactured. So we need to rebuild the pipeline that fit, feeds this because we have 40,000 open jobs before we can gain ground and start growth. So that's my two cents from a dumb New Jersey engineer. Thank you, Mr. Kennedy. Supply chain is a major, major issue. Even in our business, we see it every day. So look forward to getting into a little bit of that with you. Michelle? Hi, Michelle Sakurga. I'm the president and CEO of the New Jersey Business and Industry Association, where we advocate tirelessly for an affordable and regionally competitive business climate here in the state of New Jersey. I am absolutely a Jersey girl, born and raised, uh, with the absence of two years while I was in law school, only to get my tuition in Pennsylvania reduced, but came right back when I started my started my career. Uh, and I like to say that, um, you know, I've got the biggest blue and gold pom-poms around the state. I'm always optimistic and bullish on the state of New Jersey. I always want to talk about our great assets and all the positive things we have to offer here, right? Location, 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 and workforce. And, you know, that list of assets goes on and on and on. But I'm also a pragmatist. And the challenge is we don't do a great job of mining those assets. Infrastructure is a great example of that. Um, and I, I want to today, I'll, I'll be speaking a lot from the retail perspective, the boots on the ground of those frontline workers. And I'm going to echo something and build off of what John said, because that industry are the jobs that people did not and are not coming back to. And I want you to stop and think for a minute about the fact that we took our eye off how we make things before and the manufacturing industry decades ago, only to allow us to become a service industry state and for the most part, a service industry country. And it's those service industry jobs that people are choosing not to come back to. So where, do, where does that leave us, right? Well, what was happening in order to continue to ensure we had those jobs over time was we kept saying we have to uh, put more into those frontline workers and we had issues like increase in minimum wage and mandates and fair pay and we all want fair pay, absolutely. $15 an hour isn't even an issue right now. That's probably the floor for 90% because we can't attract a workforce back to those exact jobs, right? Uh, the companies had to come back and say, we need to remodel our, and rethink and re-innovate our business model for people who aren't coming back. That's the innovation and the technology investment that we need and the state needs to help to enable that investment, right? But the other side is we have to get a focus back on this industry. We have to get back to the idea of making things because those are the sustainable jobs here in the state of New Jersey and, and really put our eye, our eye back on that prize. I know we're going to talk about things of, you know, what are the challenges in, in creating jobs, jobs, jobs right now? And we'll talk about 
crisis in childcare and the fact that if you don't have a safe place to put your child, you can't get back to work. And we're going to talk about skills and skill gap. Uh, we had a program this morning and the assembly speaker was there and he, like I said, he has a tough time wrapping his head around the fact that we have all these open jobs um, and yet, and yet where's, the, where's the workforce to fill them? And at some point we'll be again at full employment and we have a demographic issue playing into that. But let me tell you, at the heart of it is workforce skills. The gap is like this. And the gap has only gotten wider, much quicker than we were ready to address when it comes to technology skills um, and, and just employability skills during COVID because the fourth technological revolution hit us three or four years earlier than it should have. We weren't ready for it and our workforce surely isn't ready for it. So we got to put our eye on that prize of good workforce development, getting back out of you know, service industry, a lot of those jobs are gone forever. We're going to replace them with technology because we have no choice when people don't come back. We got to get our eye back on the prize of manufacturing. Thank you, Michelle. You know, at GSI, the leadership of Regina, we talk a lot about the fact that we're a nonpartisan uh, think tank, but the fact that we need to get good people in a room together um, and talk about solutions. And really, it's exciting for me to have uh, uh, these four uh, leaders in front of us here to talk about what can we do now, uh, not, you know, not gripe about the past, uh, not talk 10 years from now or 15 years from now, but what can we do now uh, to, to, to get New Jersey back uh, uh, to, to the state that we needed to get to? So I'm going to ask a series of questions and we can just go right down, right down the line and uh, hopefully at, after this discussion and after, after the, um, uh, the forum, we can start coming up with solutions amongst ourselves. Um, so the first question, Mr. Kama, in your view, what is the three-year outlook for growth in the New Jersey economy overall, and then specifically in your industry? The, you know, <clears throat> I, I think about, I, when I saw that question, I thought, gee, I have a hard time thinking about what's going to happen over the next 12 months. And so I was pretty, I was pretty interested to hear about this 40-year um, plan. You know, it's like, how do we project that? But, you know, as I said, it's it's probably easy to talk about the next 12 months and not the next three years because there's so much volatility in the market right now. I mean, when you think about the fact that inflation is high, uh, gas prices are high, um, you have the Fed raising rates aggressively, and we're all keeping our fingers crossed that the Fed will lead us into a soft landing. That is an environment in which um, they don't drive us to recession. but you know, chances are very high and the probability is very high that we could all be in recession, not only in the United States, but here in New Jersey. But with that being said, you know, I think overall the outlook for New Jersey's economy over the next or the foreseeable future is good. You know, unemployment is down, GDP is up, although, you know, when I think about those numbers, you know, we're coming off of, we're comparing them to unprecedented uh, economic environment back in um, in the pandemic. But at its core, you know, New Jersey has a lot to offer. Michelle talked about the infrastructure, the transportation infrastructure here. No better, no better place to be located from a transportation perspective than here in New Jersey. Access to the ports, the rails, the airports. Um, so, you know, we have that going for us. We're situated in, uh, geographically between, you know, two major eastern uh, coast hubs, you know, New York and Philadelphia. And so, you know, that's, that's ideal. Um, 
also, you know, and, you know, I'm sorry, I will admit this, I'm not a New Jersey native, I'm a New York native. Um, I still think it's cheaper to do business here in New Jersey than it is in New York. Um, you know, New Jersey has started to come back. The credit rating was increased here, I understand, for the first time in, in uh, you know, in, over, in almost 20 years. So, um, you know, there's a lot to like about the prospects for economic growth here in New Jersey. Um, as far as banking is concerned, you know, I said it earlier, uh, it depends on where we go from here. What's the Fed going to do? What's going to happen? Are we going to get into recession? Are we going to get energy prices under control? Um, you know, right, things right now are good from a banking perspective and from our customers' perspective. But this could go the wrong way pretty easily if we don't get inflation under control, energy prices under control, and rates launch us into a, into a recession. Thank you. Assemblyman? So, uh, I mean, I'm on the budget committee, but I have no control over interest rates. So to some extent, <laughs> as state lawmakers, I mean, we're, 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 we're in this place where over the next two to three years, we're just in, in large part stuck hoping for a, a softish, uh, uh, Fed landing, um, but we need to bolster our manufacturing sector, uh, and we can simultaneously address inflation by uh, trying to ensure that uh, we promote high-quality job creation and that we um, are not losing focus on affordability in our state, um, that um, while we continue to ensure that we're training our future workforce, uh, ensuring they have the skills that they need, uh, that there isn't a brain drain, um, that we take a hard look at what actually needs to be done to achieve um, true property tax reform because they said that that couldn't be done with auto insurance. And, you know, it's been 20 years, um, but uh, I'm even old enough to remember that it got done. Um, it's a harder challenge because we're talking about making sure we shore up school funding. And, and we have done that over the past couple of years at historic levels, which helps mitigate the uh, other what otherwise would be inevitable inevitably higher increases in property taxes, but we haven't actually taken the steps to um, uh, ensure that we're, whether it's some combination of carrot and stick, seeing the consolidation, um, shared services, that third rail of New Jersey politics because of home rule. Um, and, you know, and in, in because of the, th um, yes, for a three-year outlook, I think, uh, look, we what I mean, we, we have some of the organic assets and uh, uh, that, you know, from from your from your home state um, that we share with your home state. Um, let's look at our ports, um, you know, uh, uh, the port of New York, New Jersey sees 80 percent of the stuff we use that's imported in the United States goes through there. Um, and uh, New York and New Jersey, we export um, more per capita than any other state. Um, so, you know, we have this organic uh, port hub, trade hub that sees $200 billion worth of cargo go through it. Uh, we just have to make sure that our job growth uh, or preservation um, is something we're looking at in tandem with the things that are in our control um, in terms of the state economy at the at the state level, um, the CBT surcharge sunsets 
I think next December, we put that in retroactively to represent, um, to try to recoup some of the losses we expected from the pandemic. But when it sunsets, um, maybe we should let it sunset, um, you know, uh, things like that. So, uh, Chad. Thank you, Mr. Kennedy. Well, I think there's a lot of growth opportunities, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons. Uh, and some of it's the, the knowledge that we do have to change and companies have changed quite a bit. Uh, and I think that New Jersey's on the cutting edge for a lot of this thing. It's hard to believe that our small state, you know, in, in some uh, charts are top five in my industry manufacturing, uh, you know, in the nation. And that's pretty damn good uh, when you think about uh, you can drive from stem to stern in three hours, you know. Uh, so, there, but there's a lot of tie-ins. Banking is critical because that helps feed the growth in, in manufacturing. And for a while there, there wasn't a lot of investments. So there's, it's good because equipment, you do construction, that's you know key and critical on both sides of the coin. You know, we have to feed you, you guys have to feed us by expanding the state investment. Uh, in fact, Raj now owes me two dollars for rental of my microphone. So we'll we'll give we'll, me five bucks before we're we'll plow that right back into the. the, the, the but uh, you know, and, and Michelle, you were talking about retail again. All of these things tie together, and that's why it's so critical that we don't ignore any of them. And sometimes we tend to do that, and and I know it. And to be honest with you, the industry was just as bad as. Uh, Everybody else, when, when manufacturing was dead, and a lot of us that all manufacturing companies and were successful, we knew it wasn't, but we didn't say anything. You know, we kept our heads down because we didn't want to be found. Uh, but it's a different world today. Innovation and, and, and growth is, is important, so we need to change that attitude on both sides of the coin. Michelle. To your point, John. Got the policymaker to make the policy. You've got the financier on the stage to finance. We can construct it, and we've got to find the tenants and the uh, and, and the people to come. So, call the stakeholders in the room right now to, to come up with a solution. Michelle, we uh, take an outlook, a cautiously optimistic, and I think um, it does depend on how we hopefully properly invest all the money that we have in the state right now. I mean, the state really is flush with cash right now for numerous reasons. We have federal recovery money. We have um, money from bonding that we did during COVID. We have overperforming um, taxes right now. Uh, we've got a lot of money in the state. We're fortunate that we have the opportunity to make some really wise investment. And I'll go back to investment in workforce. Infrastructure, investment in infrastructure is jobs, 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 threefold. The key to the investment of that money is one-time spends that will give us return on investment without needing future sustain, you know, dollars behind it to sustain. So no new programs that require a future tax base because we'll come back and have to fund that you know, in another way in the future. Uh, so cautiously optimistic. And I do want to say for the immediate, we're coming into beautiful weather, right? Tourism in New Jersey. We are super optimistic about tourism in New Jersey this year. You know, everyone's concerned about gas prices, but all the surveys say that people are still going to get out. Um, they're going to stay closer to home. Good news for us, because closer to home in this region means the Jersey Shore. Uh, and so the Jersey Shore is anticipating 90% of a recovery pre-COVID this year. That's fantastic, because that's money right back to our, our, right back to our economy uh, and right back to our general fund in the state of New Jersey. Thank you, Michelle. 
This next question is a quick answer and uh, you know, give a little bit of color, but which of our neighboring states do you see as our most challenging competitor and why? This can be customers, the labor force, or investment dollars. It doesn't have to be adjacent to New Jersey, but yeah, relatively near. Tommy? Well, for us, you know, as a bank, as a you know, financial institution, it's obviously New York and, and predominantly New York City. Um, you know, it's still the financial capital of the world. And you know some of the companies who are there can offer real opportunities for for a lot of people, especially you know the millennials. Of course, you know you still have to get there, and you know you have to take whether you take the train, the bus, you know you drive. You know for those of you who live here in the state and have had to make that trek, you know that it you know is probably not uh, a pleasant thing. And so we would sell against that uh, pretty aggressively. You know, we may not pay as much as, you know, the, the Morgan Stanleys and the J.P. Morgans of the world, but you're not, you're not spending an hour and a half in order to get to work. Um, but you got to be there. I mean, I can tell you that back in 2011, uh, we invested uh, heavily in New York and opened more offices there. We opened, uh, by the time we sold the bank uh, in April, we had opened over 50 offices in the boroughs and in, on Long Island. In fact, even citizens, before they invested in New Jersey here with investors, they purchased over 60 branches from uh, HSBC in New York. So, you know, you can love them, you can hate them, but the fact is, as a financial institution, um, we see them as providing the biggest uh, competition to us. That makes sense. Something? Same answer, some overlap in the reasons. Uh, I mean, I, I, I represent Hudson County, so I'm from Jersey City. Jersey City and Hoboken are in my district. Over the last two decades, we've seen a lot of growth in um, financial services, tech, um, white-collar jobs that are important, um, uh, office uh, uh, office jobs that are important to the economy of, uh, of my cities. And one of my favorite suburbs of, of Jersey City, um, which is Manhattan, um, has uh, a lot of the same, uh, a lot of the same industries that we compete over, um, and our job uh, creation and retention incentive programs, both pre ERA and and since the Economic Recovery Act, um, sort of speak to that. Um, but you know, there's also a lot of economic agglomeration, a lot of synergy in this, within the industries that New Jersey and New York compete over. Um, uh, close proximity, um, uh, shared human capital, some of the shared organic assets, um, both high tax climates. So that's not um, so much a distinguishing factor between between these two states or between these two regions. So, um, uh, you know, that's probably our closest competitor, but by the same token, they're part of what um, makes a lot of New Jersey areas attractive. One, one point before I um, uh, pass it along, just an example, um, when New York enacted an overly burdensome regulatory rubric for blockchain and cryptocurrency um, uh, companies, you know, we saw uh, a bunch of them move right over, move across the river to Jersey City uh, because the bit license scheme was kind of screwy and convoluted. And uh, we've worked through and we're moving through the legislature right now what we think is better legislation um, that will protect consumers but also 
um, uh, not try to over-regulate uh, that space that's evolving uh, in terms of blockchain. Um, we saw similar things with, with banks uh, and bank and financial services jobs that came across the river, um, you know, in the post 9-11 era. So, um, yeah. Pennsylvania. I'm not playing this New York game, but no, seriously, <laughs> it's expensive to move a manufacturing company, and when you own one, you get you get letters or calls almost every day. But the problem is, is the trained workforce, and you can't get it. Every state is having the same problem, so I don't want to move my company to North Carolina or South Carolina. Pennsylvania, though, I can go right over the the river and get less taxes, more investment from the state, all of these benefits, plus most of my staff will probably come with me. So I don't have to worry about it. And that's that happens a lot more. And we don't worry about it. We worry about the big companies. But when you lose a company that has 50 or 75 people and you lose 10 or 12 or 20 of them, it adds up. So it's supposed to be a balance in the stage because I'm going to double down on, on, on Pennsylvania and bleed into Delaware because of out, because of out migration and the skilled workforce. So uh, if individuals are looking to leave but want to stay close to family, you know, they're going to take advantage of going to Pennsylvania or Delaware for sure because just from an income tax perspective, it's, it's more favorable. But you get to stay close to your family. We can't compete with the South, so we're just going to put the South out, right? Um, but I do want to say Massachusetts on innovation and New York on innovation because of all the investment dollars in Massachusetts and New York on innovation. So we got to really, really, really watch that. We, we don't get our fair share of the innovation dollars. We're getting more from the federal government, but we, we really need to... Uh, to mind that for sure. And Massachusetts, because on any given day, uh, we go toe-to-toe -to -toe on number one and number two for K-12 education, which is which is quality of life. Yep. Now, I want to understand why Massachusetts, who used to be called Taxachusetts, uh, for some reason is not called that anymore. They're still competing as number one or number two K-12, and yet they're they're attractive, and they're taking the, the pharmaceutical manufacturing uh, expansion that hasn't happened here either. So Massachusetts is another one to keep an eye on. Great. If you're ever willing to come down to South Florida with me and try to bring those guys back up here, you're... I'll be on a plane tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Round of applause for our panelists. The GSI Briefing is produced by the Garden State Initiative. For more information about GSI, visit us at gardenstateinitiative.org and be sure to follow us on social media. Don't forget to subscribe to the GSI Briefing on the podcast platform of your choice. And please leave us a good rating. This is Regina Agia, and thank you for listening. <laughs>